two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. So, I think I'm going through a crisis. Oh, okay. Not a crisis. I don't know what this is. But Uh you know the game Red Dead Redemption 2, right? Yes, I do. Okay, so one of the key components there is you can go tame wild horses and break them. And I Mm. found this super pretty, like black horse with a white mane and tail just chilling on the prairie with like Aww. four other horses and i was like oh hell yeah so i rope this horse and i break it and i tame it mm-hmm. and i go to like we're just like riding i'm gonna go take my other yeah. one back to camp so i can stable it and stuff and i get mm-hmm. jumped by a rival gang oh no and the first shot the first shot the guy no. t- this guy takes it and he kills that fucking horse and, like, I've been in this weird existential crisis all goddamn day because I'm like, I should have left that horse out there with his buddies and he'd still be alive, man. He'd be alive right now. But then the other part of me is, like, number one, it's a video game. It's not real. And number two, well, you killed, like, eight rival gang members and didn't even flinch at it, but you're all sad right. about some fucking horse. What is wrong with you? Yeah, it's the, it's the old, old yeller syndrome. <laughs> video games you get so attached to this horse no I've, I've seen i've seen stuff like that in um the legend of zelda breath of the wild they it's like a similar mechanic you can like sneak up on wild horses and then yeah try to like wrangle one and tame it and i think i saw i think i saw like a clip out of a dude's let's play where he spent i swear to god like 10 minutes trying to like trying to like yeah like wrangle this horse break it down like earn its trust and, like, as soon as he does, like, similar kind of thing, like, okay, I better find a stable to register it, and, like, it'll be saved that way. And then, yeah, I got, like, ambushed by a couple of Moblins or something. And just the first thing, like, just big old spear, whack, like, just <laughs> mercs this horse. <laughs> Rolled the 20, got the natural crit, lucky shot, called it yep. everything, and just, yep. That's just it. Horse so, is dead. Yeah, the horse is dead. Yeah. But, but, but then again, like, like, that's not nothing. That's not for nothing. Like, just as you would take pride in... Um, yeah, like speed running and like getting a new PR or you take pride in defeating this boss that like, like, like all that stuff is legit. Like that experience, that connection that you made is legit. Like it happened. And who cares if it's like ones and zeros and flashing lights? Like you, you, you had something taken from you, Mark. Goddamn right. I did. I'm going to hunt every one of them little Driscoll bastards down too. I'm getting (laughs) my revenge. This was well, my Wyatt Earp moment. I'm like, I'm coming and hell's coming with me, boys. Like, or, or I was even going to say this is this is your like John Wick moment too, right? Like, <laughs> they killed kill, my horse. Killed my horse. And so like everyone's gone. Everyone's gone now. But I also think that's cool. Like one of the things, and I, and I know I've gone off about this too. Like um, I really love video games that sure, maybe there's like a linear, like ca- like canonical story, but then the emergent narratives that come out uh, and so, yeah, in this, like, playthrough, like, you just have it out for the Driscoll gang or, like, whatever, like, these. Whereas, like, uh, you boot up a new game and who knows, maybe, like, you're, like, buds with them and, like, pal around with them. It's like, hey, Driscolls, you don't know this, but in another life, like, I massacred every one of you, but we're pals now. What do y'all know about the multiverse theory in the tree of life, boys? <laughs> 
Basically, there are an infinity of realities, and every one of those realities is stacked one upon the other. In one of them, you and I are blood enemies because you killed my horse. But in this one, we're best friends because we killed that other feller's horse and then took him. (laughs) (laughs) The mind simply quavers, Slim. All right, fellas. I guess that's enough of the whiskey for me. I'm bedding down. Y'all in your highfalutin philosophy talk here. You ever reckon this is just, well, none of it's real, and this is just somebody watching our lives for some type of sport or entertainment or something? Shut the fuck up, Curly. Go to bed, you're drunk. (laughs) I believe it was Aristotle who wrote about the Demiurge who set up this entire world and was the prime mover. Now all of us just are acting out with a facade of an agency. Never mind that shit. Here comes Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> and then cutscene over and <laughs> I love it. Oh, that means, that means, uh, yeah, god damn it. That needs to happen. That needs to happen sometime. Um <laughs> Well, I mean, I can't I I don't want to ruin the beauty of that cold open by Bending over backwards looking for some sort of like through line. So I'm just going to say it. Welcome to the Two Wizards podcast, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Um, pour one out for, for Mark's horse. Uh, for the horse. And, uh, and yeah, but, but, but I am Josh and I'm a wizard. And my name is Mark and I'm going to get me that gosh darn rabbit there. I, yeah. Woo-wee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's great and, to. Uh, oh yeah, no, sorry, go go for no, it. No, 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 sorry. I was gonna say, and I'm a wizard. and I'm like, you already fucking said that. What's wrong with you? No, <laughs> no you're you're still yeah, yeah, like you're still kind of like your your mind is elsewhere. Your mind is on that ones and zeros that like some yeah, like it again in like some other save file or uh, uh, something like that. I mean, yeah, that I'm also thinking of Rabbit Hole, the play that it's like mm. sp- spoilers. One of the main characters uh, suffers a loss, uh, but is like consoled by the idea of there being a multiverse. Like, oh wait, so there are infinite parallel universes in which I'm happy right now. And the and the other character is like, well, yeah, I guess. Oh well, I guess that's all right. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. How come I got the shit universe? Right. Yeah, I was not convinced by that one, but you had one of you had one of the uh, the Pulitzer. Or the Tony. I think the Pulitzer. Won the Pulitzer for best drama, best play, so yeah, whatever. But um, but here we are. And maybe one day, maybe one day, if they ever start handing out Pulitzers for podcasts, we'll, we'll, just, um, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see how the Two Wizards <laughs> podcast stacks up there. Uh, but Mark, what, what are you drinking? I talked about pouring one out there. What, so what, what will you be uh, letting go your... Um, uh, your libation from your wizard's tankard. Well, Josh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I ain't mm-hmm. fixing it again for the second week in a row. It's a dark and stormy, baby. Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I guess I'm, I'm in a similar kind of mood. Uh, I've, I, I've been enamored with these since I first sort of semi-derisively tried them. Uh, but I'm drinking some more ranch water, baby. Woo! Oh, hell yeah. Ranch water hard seltzer. Uh, made with 100% agave and natural lime juice. And I'm starting off with the original, with the OG uh, flavor here. So uh, okay. with that, I guess, uh, here's on you, buddy. Cheers, good buddy. Oh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. God, man. Yep. I like Dark and Stormy's too much. I think there, but, but it's a solid. It's a solid combo. It's a very solid combo. And, and I and I don't even um, when we first mixed these up, I'm not sure if I told the story if I dropped this name, uh, but it absolutely bears mentioning here. Um, friend of the show, even if he doesn't know it, uh, my dear friend Nolan Miller was the first to mix up a Dark and Stormy for me, and so oh. he is he is uh, intrinsically linked to that drink for it forever and always. That that will be a through line through the multiverses. Is <laughs> uh, yeah, Josh and Universe one eight two two seven one C four having his very first Dark and Stormy. And like that bartender's named Nolan Miller or something. <laughs> <laughs> the weird through lines that just bisect all of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that Doctor Strange was looking for in Endgame. He's like, aha, Nolan Miller and Dark and Stormies. That's that'll help us defeat Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Well, so yeah, Mike. It, it sounds like if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like this thing, this Dark and Stormy, for for both of us, really. It it has, uh, it it has some sort of special property. It it has some sort of mystical characteristic you might say it's it's even magical um, <laughs> a magical a magical item if you will that copper mug that you're drinking out of or uh whatever i'm, I'm, I'm kind of taking an educated guess there that that's what you're drinking actually out of, it's my duff beer glass but yeah or, or or yeah or your duff beer glass or your packers uh mug yeah. these are all yeah these are all Items that have been somehow imbued with, uh, yeah, greater significance than one would normally kind of be led to believe. And so, what are we talking about this week, this episode? We're gonna. So, being two wizards, I noticed, Josh, you and I really don't talk that much about like anything magical, like ever, even once. Right. Like, yeah. I think the first time we really got into it was the one about like the immortal combat. Oh yeah. No, that is that true. was this year. That's a year and a half and yeah, into that the was show. Only... So, <laughs> no, that, that is a fair. That's a fair observation to make. That for us being two wizards, and we, I, I think I had some like, yeah, like throwaway joke about uh, I spilled some potions once and I had to clean up. But you're right, we haven't really, really. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what opened magical. the uh, multiverse door. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh that's ooh, right. that's weird, Josh. You opened a that multiverse door. Oh, that, ooh, weird. That is weird. Um, yeah, for weird. our uh, that the uh, too smart for the room throwback. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, so yeah, wonky. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, tonight we're talking about magical items and like mm -hmm. actual items that you use in actual magic. And I don't know what you've got, and you don't know what I've got. And listeners, am I gonna read a spell to summon a demon? We might. I don't know. <gasps> we just might. Do I have my Indian tear sitting right here next to me? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I think no, I, I think you you're absolutely right. We're, we we need to sort of hold ourselves accountable. Maybe mix in some more magical stuff and not just cryptids and not just Greek stuff. Although, I, yeah, I'm I'm totally gonna talk about some some Greek things. <laughs> I imagine eighty percent of this is gonna be whoops all Greeks, and then the other half of it is gonna be whoops well, all Christians. Yeah, and 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 truly, I. I had to force myself because, yeah, like 85% of Greek mythology is, oh, yeah, this magical thing or this magical item. or So I really limited myself. I, I picked just a couple. And then I tried to expand my horizons and uh, pick some other things. And 
and not just uh, with Greek mythology, but like all, uh, all all the others. I think truly all the other cultures of the world, uh, in their stories and their folk traditions, have magical things. And I I was about to fall into this rabbit hole because like, I mean, we could do an entire other episode or three on just like magical weapons. We could mm-hmm. do like yeah, like magical armor. Like even within this broad umbrella of objects, we could we could even kind of subdivide. And go down, yeah, we'd be, tr- we'd be tracing through all the multiverses. But I think for right now, just to sort of ease ourselves in, ease everybody else in, I, yeah, yeah I, I kind of have a mix of random things. Uh, and I'm sure you do as well, so. Yeah, it's going to get kind of weird tonight. I, I, I hope it, I hope tonight gets weird. We haven't gotten to get weird in a long time. And mm. we're not in a, yeah, it's been a minute. I hope we can get a little weird tonight, buddy. I hope so, too. And I, and I think we will. I think we will. So, yeah. um. Would, would would you uh, like the honor of starting us off? Would you like me to? Nah, take us away, buddy. Okay. Well, sure, sure. That's fine. So yeah, so I do have a few. I do have a few kind of within the Greek mythology stuff. But but I'm but I'm not starting there. I'm going to start off instead um, with some magical items from the Hindu tradition. Oh, very cool. Uh, so so yeah, I got I got a couple things that I'll kind of throw out there. Uh, the first one that I want to talk about is a shanka, uh, or a conch shell. In Hindu history, the shanka is the sacred emblem of the Hindu preserver god. Preserver god, that's right. You know him, you love him, Vishnu. Uh, like like a conch shell can be uh, used. You, it, it was apparently like blown like a trumpet, and this was like Vishnu's. Uh, yeah like kind of kind of war war trumpet or just like trumpeting his his awesomeness um and so it's it's a as you might imagine being a shell from a aquatic animal um it's associated with water it's it's a symbol of water but also with female fertility which again kind of makes sense kind of makes sense and serpents because i guess Kind of coiling, spiraling. I think. I think that's what they're getting after. The Shanka is the state emblem of the uh, Indian state of Kerala, and I mentioned uh, one of my buddies from this grad program. Uh, one of the actors, he's from Kerala. Uh, so shout out to uh, Jacob there, Jacob, if you're listening. Much love, buddy. I don't know if he is or not, but hey, I'll <laughs> give us do 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 little shout out there. You miss one hundred percent of the shout outs. You don't shout. True. This is also true. Uh, and so um, sometimes uh, this this shell can also be kind of ground up and administered as medicine for tummy aches. Okay. Which, again, also kind of makes sense because, like, what is what is one of the, like, materials, molecules that make conch shells and other shells? Well, calcium carbonate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you have an upset tummy and you have some Tums... Uh, yeah, that's like that, it, that we, which, cause that's how they bill it too. It's like, oh, uh, also a calcium supplement. Well, Hey, the same thing like calcium, uh, carbonate or, or, or so, uh, yeah, just neat. Just like super cool. Um, so, um, so how, how these things were formed in the, yeah, sort of like Hindi, uh, story, uh, so a legend in the Brahma Vivarta Purana recalls how these things were created. Uh, so Shiva, the other god, the destroyer god, uh, 
flung a trident. He threw a trident. He was trying to get some guys, uh, some asuras. They immediately like burst into flame because he had like a flame trident, flame spear thing. Oh, uh, and then their ashes drifted into the sea, and that's how these conchas, these shankas, were created. Okay. Uh, and so uh, in the Hindu epics of the Ramayana and the Mahabharata, shout out to those two. Uh, yeah, shankas are all over the place. Everybody, you're, you're tripping over shankas. They're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um Lakshmana, Bharata, and Shatrugna, they are uh, associated with Shankas. Um, during the great Mahabharata war, Krishna um, blew, blew on one of these conches uh, in, in one of the great battles. Uh, and so, yeah, they are apparently, again, just like a big, a big thing, a big thing. And like you're saying, Mark, like I have some magical items that I'm going to talk about that are truly like otherworldly and extraordinary. But I also dig that like, these are just like, just like you're walking along the beach and you pick up a conch and like that has that sort of legacy in the uh, Hindu tradition. So yeah. Yeah. Conch, conch shells. Freaking sweet. Right on. Conch <laughs> shells. All right. I went down a weird rabbit hole. Okay. Awesome. I went down a couple, I went down a couple weird rabbit holes, but like, yeah, man. like you said, kind of, this could be more than just one. But I want to start in the dumbest place we can start. Maybe I don't know. For me, for me and my end, I can't find a good place to start here. So I'm just gonna have to Josh, mm-hmm. douse a good segue out here. I just gotta <laughs> douse my way into finding a good segue. And oh hey, look at this! It's a dowsing rod. It's a little Y-shaped twig, or yeah. maybe two L-shaped twigs and or copper rods, mm-hmm. and they turn themselves in the direction of well a bunch of shit. Like water or gold or oil or gemstones. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> Just whatever you're uh-huh. looking for, there's a dowsing rod for that. <laughs> like literally. We'll get into that in just a second. So oh, number perfect. one, dowsing rods. Okay. You know how there's those super religious chicks or specifically super religious Christian women all pushing about 400 pounds who just swear by essential oils? Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if you really think about it, it's like, how is this any different from, you know, like witchcraft? Because it's just essential oils and, you know, the magical properties of the oils. But nobody really calls them on them. Mm -hmm. Dowsing rods are sort of the same way for Christianity. It's this weird form of magic that some people get pissed off at. Like, if you're Catholic, they don't like them. But Mm. everybody else kind of just doesn't care. (laughs) So they were commonly used... Up until um, everybody's favorite party pooping Protestant, Martin Luther, said that you mm. couldn't use them if you weren't Catholic. And oh, that was gotcha. in 1518. But that really didn't seem to stop anybody. In 1556, uh, Gregorius, yeah, no, Georgius, there it is. Georgius mm. Agricola wrote in his De Re Metallica, or maybe De Re Metallica? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm also still kind of teaching myself latin in fits and starts so your guess is as good as mine there are many great contentions between miners concerning the forked twig for some say it is the greatest use in discovering veins and others deny it all alike grasp the forks of the twigs in their hands clenching their fists it being necessary that the clenched fingers should be held towards the sky in order that the twig should be raised at the end where the two branches meet 
Then they wander hither and thither at random through the mountain regions. It is said that the moment they place their feet on a vein, the twig immediately turns and twists, and so by its actions discloses the vein. When they move their feet again and go away from the spot, the twig once more becomes immobile. So, like, these things are all over the place. Enough that, like, it's a common yeah. method in Germany for finding, like, for for using them to find some ore. Okay. Yeah. In 1662, a Jesuit named Gaspar Schott declared that divining rods were not powered by the materials in the ground, but actually they were powered by Satan, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> But then compounding that stupidity, in southern France, they were used by witch... Well, they were used by... They didn't have cops. I don't know what you call them. Bounty hunters? We'll call them bounty hunters. Okay, they were used yeah. by bounty hunters and witch hunters to find criminals, heretics, and witches. They were so effective in finding them. Not that they worked, just that they were so goddamn effective right, yeah. that they mm -hmm. had to be banned because they were abusing the system as a whole. So literally, I it's mean, this dude with, the, like, a Y-shaped fork, and he's holding it up above his head. Oh, she's a witch! And he just, like, points to the first woman he sees. And she's like, I no, mean, no, I'm not. Odd, he's a criminal! <laughs> no, he's not. He's a heretic! Burn them all! Three for three! You might as well use a Ouija board. All right, who who here in this town is actually a witch? And it starts moving over to, like, R. It's Ralph! Ralph's the witch! Burn him! <laughs> I blame Goody Streeter. <laughs> I saw Goody Jones with the devil. <laughs> Just this last night, I did see Goody Streeter converse, conversing with his familiars and pushing them about like free weight irons. <laughs> Listeners, Josh sent me videos of him curling his cats. It's hilarious. I love it. Yeah, it was. I I had a really good workout, and I still felt my uh, a pump going on. So, hoisted a Tompkins, did some did some front squats. <laughs> Uh, found found a Quincy was doing some single bicep curls. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm I'm sure again, like it for for uh, all the efficacy of yeah, either like a Y shaped uh, twig or branch or like two L shaped ones. Yeah, I might as well like take Tompkins outside and go wander around, and then when it's like <laughs> like tail points a certain way, it's like ah, here's gold. <laughs> <laughs> when he yowls, it's like oh, yeah. there it is. There's the gold. <laughs> oh god yeah the the other thing i know quite a, a frequent use and maybe you're probably getting to this too uh for yeah either like divining rods or dowsing rods uh, especially out there in the american west uh is looking for water because uh yeah pretty dry country over there and as pioneers oh. and folks were moving out uh where where's some fresh water uh that's that's apparently another thing that they can find right mark <laughs> oh josh you must have a crystal ball don't you buddy <laughs> i i lifted up tompkins and his tail pointed to his like water bowl he's like oh yeah yeah water that must be that must be it too <laughs> before i get to america i just want to point out that so this is like it's really really popular for german miners like specifically German miners. This is like so the German deal at the time, but then it kind of starts disseminating. And mm. so there were German miners that started working in, Kev in wow, Jesus, in Devon, Cornwall, and Cumbria, England. Okay. They taught the locals how to use the dowsing rods. And so I don't know how much you know about like, you know, the mineral mineralogy deposits of England, but there's a shitload of zinc mines up there. And oh, a lot okay. of those were found by the dowsing rods. 
There well, are also and, silver mines that were found in Wales using the same method. Well, and I I don't know if like they were all that interested in coal yet, because I also know there's like a whole bunch of coal mining, I believe, in those regions uh, too. I don't know if I don't know if mm-hmm. maybe 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 dowsing rods don't work for coal, Josh. You you noob. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it's all the same. I think it's like there's something in the ground. I want yeah. it. Let's do it. Um, but you just mentioned water. We're going to talk about dowsing rods finding water. So number one, this comes, excuse me, this comes from an account of Sir William F. Barrett. Um, and he's talking about the, he's talking about the use of a dowsing rod. Um, um, the life of St. Teresa of Spain, the following incident is narrated. Teresa in 1568 was offered to the site for a covenant in which there was only one objection, that there was no fresh supply of water. Happily, a friar named Antonio came came upon them with a twig in his hand. Stopping at a certain spot, he appeared to be making the sign of the cross. But Teresa says, Really, I cannot be sure if there was a sign he made. At any rate, he had made some movement with the twig. And then he says, Dig just there. They dug, and lo, a plentiful fountain of water gushed forth. Excellent for drinking, copious for washing, and it never ran dry. As the writer of this life remarks, Teresa, not having heard of dowsing, has no explanation of this event. So that's in 1568. That's an account from 1568. And like... People are seeing, oh, we can do this. Um, now, popping into Adam Benedict's Monsters in Print, or not Monsters in Print, I'm sorry, Oddities in Print. Once again, mm-hmm. listeners, bingo cards. This comes from the Washington Sentinel, May 24th, 1856. The, <clears throat> the Mining Journal states that the Reverend A. Suckling recently delivered a lecture in London on the history, antiquity, and correct principles of the dowsing rod for the discovery of minerals, metals, and springs of water below the earth. The lecturer stated that he was convinced that there existed a certain though inexplicable affinity between the effects of operations with the divining rod and what, in present modern designation, is termed mesmerism. Mesmerism, Josh. He refers to them as one of the same source, and says that many of the wells on in the island have been discovered by himself and others with the endowed with the pure with the peculiar power of appertaining only to certain persons. So, again, dowsing rods are everywhere, and I know what you're thinking. This is old timey, right? Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, in America, they were used to find a ton of wells. But they were also used extensively in World War II. Well, not extensively, but they were used in World War II during the battle... Or... Fuck me. It's World War One. They were used in World War One. sorry, mm, by okay. a sapper named Kelly from Australia. And he oh. was famous for finding um, fresh sources of uh, spring water during the Gallipoli campaign. This dude would just show up with a dowsing rod and be like, Ah, oh, there. There's fresh water there. And then during Vietnam... American soldiers used dowsing rods to locate VC tunnels and weapon caches with apparently some success. And I kind of got to wonder, like you read accounts of like how the tunnels in Vietnam, like were literally everywhere. Like they honeycombed hillsides and shit like that. So mm-hmm. maybe you're not finding your maybe Maybe the rod isn't working. Maybe there's just so much of the crap there. You can't help, but not find it. I, yeah, I think it is. It It's kind of part of that too, right? Like, like it's, it, it's fairly, I mean, there could be some sort of, like, falsifiable test. Like, if you're very specific, like, okay, I am 
only using this to find yeah yeah like just water or like just uh silver or something like that and then if that's what it is then, then hey versus like oh no like see i told you there was something here uh look silver is like yeah but we're looking for water doesn't matter this is we can buy all the water we want we have silver now exactly um, so it, it, yeah i i can't really argue with the results necessarily but yeah i'm, I'm also I'm fairly fairly skeptical about about some of the stuff but I mean, it's almost com- it's almost a hundred percent. We could call this as bullshit, but mm-hmm. I want to read um, from William Price's Mineralogia Cornubiensis. Cornubiensis, I don't know how you say it, Josh. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. yeah, Cornubiensis. I don't know. From 1788, um, the corpuscles that rise from the minerals enter the rod, determined to bow down in order to render it parallel to the vertical lines which the effluvia describe in their rise. So like he's saying that the minerals in the ground give off a certain particle or something like, and he's calling it like a particle or a wave before Mm -hmm. we really knew what particles and waves were, but they give off a thing that interacts with the branch and it pulls it down. Um, In effect, the mineral particles seem to be admitted from the earth. Now the vergula, that's what they, that's what he's calling the rod. That's a Mm. typical name for it. Being made of light porous wood gives easy passage to these particles, which are also very fine and subtle. The effluvia then driven forwards by those that follow them pressed by the same time in the atmosphere incumbent on them are forced to enter the little interstices between the fibers of the wood and by that effort oblige it to incline or to dip down perpendicularly to become parallel with the little columns where those vapors form their rise. So that was like, these are dudes pouring actual, what they think is probably hopefully science in 1778, yeah. but mm-hmm. we know it's not it's 1778 science really hoping against hope that this is what it was. And this is like their explanation of why this shit works. Yeah. Which, and uh, I, that, that reminds me of uh, our hollow earth episode where it's like similar kind of thing. Like they're, they're giving it their college try. They're, they get some things kind of almost close if you squint at it um but then also yeah like just just no so uh but i mean yeah and good on them for trying to like come up with some some explanation for this other than uh god did it or the devil did it so so yeah yeah (laughs) so um dowsing is still practiced today in the uk but a lot of people in like hydrology and mineral or you know like mineral like uh what do you call that oh what do you call that speculation oh yeah. um mm-hmm. a lot of people in mineral speculation they try and distance themselves as much as possible from it because literally it's just kind of hokey ancient dumb shit yeah but it's still used in the uk today to find water it would be one thing if they did that as like yeah just like a a, a nod to miners and speculators past like some sort of like tradition sort of thing like all right and here's you know 90 year old uh dowser coming in as yeah just more like a like a like a pomp and circumstance kind of thing i i mean that would be kind of cool versus like legitimately trying to uh yeah risk their financial success on on doing that um yeah i don't know <laughs> but if you were, maybe, maybe I've sparked something in you or maybe listeners, I've sparked something in you. I've got good news guys. Okay. You can practice the art of dowsing yourself. It'll run you about 20 bucks on Amazon for a pair of copper dowsing rods. Oh shoot. 
I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and, 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 and as I'm about to head on my travels, uh, recording this in advance, I mean, I'm going to be tromping around the UK. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be tromping around Greece. Yeah, shoot, I could probably fit some of those in my carry-on <laughs> luggage. And, but, Get you but, a, y, like a Y-shaped yeah. olive branch, Josh, and just go yeah. see what the mother country would give to you. Right, well, well, or like that I would then very promptly and respectfully... Uh, give to the Acropolis Museum or whatever. Like, I wouldn't pocket that shit. Uh, be like, it belongs in a museum. Um, it belongs <laughs> in a museum. Um, the the only other sort of thing that uh, I, I think is kind of fun is there's this, um, you know, like it, it's a pretty casual, laid back uh, game called Turmoil. Um, pun pun on the last three letters. Because uh, in, in, in this game, you are an oil prospector baron dude and you like build oil wells and then you like drill down and you have these uh, uh wagons that that load up with oil and you wait until the price is right and until you're getting a good price and then you just like flood the markets like all right sell all the oil we have um and yeah like you start off like the first thing you do most most of the time is yeah you hire a a a, a dowser and he'll walk across the screen and he always finds oil, so if it works in this video game, I mean, hey, maybe there's maybe there's something to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we should point out here because we wouldn't be two wizards if we didn't put the truth into everything. Um, it's pretty much now mostly been proven that dowsing rods aren't powered by um, emanations from the ground mm-hmm. or by Satan or by God, but it's actually our unconscious um, micro movements. Oh, it's a thing called the idiomotor phenomenon. It's these little things that you're not even aware that you're doing. Oh, wow. And it's like, you know, thousands of little tiny, like stabilizing muscles in your body that like just that keep you upright and moving around, like oh, yeah. walking a straight line. Mm-hmm. It's all this. It all works in conjunction with itself. But like, so if you're a dude holding like the two copper ones is a really good example of this. Like if you're walking and it's the, all the descriptions say you got to hold this shit real tight. So you're clenching your fist and you're going to like, you're going to shake a little bit. Like you're going to unconsciously move. Right. It's not you moving it, but it's just kind of, you're doing it on your own. No, there's a great, uh, uh, demonstration of this too. Like you get a, you get like a piece of string or like a shoelace or something like that. And you tie, um, yeah, either like a metal washer or a metal, like uh, a nut at, at the end. And so you hold you you hold this string with the weight at the bottom, and like you just like you're saying, you you very consciously try to keep it as still as possible. But just in your mind, you think swing back and forth, swing back and forth, swing back and forth, and 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 it does. It'll start doing that. And then when you think stop, then it'll stop. And then when you think swing left and right, it'll do that, or or like in circles. So yeah, that's 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 a neat two wizards uh, magic. Uh, trick that you can do at home kids just <laughs> ask for a parent's help getting getting to tie a nut around the shoelace <laughs> <laughs> but also hold on to that nut for some magical fun later guys oh mm, that, i'm excited i'm excited at that little cliffhanger there that's sweet <laughs> so yeah dowsing rods what do you got for me josh uh well i am returning to uh yeah these sort of uh hindu lore um and tra- tradition 
Um, this one is or seems to be like a specific named object. I don't think you'll be able to buy this on Amazon um, or DYI at home. Uh, but this is the Akshaya Patra. Okay. Translating from the Sanskrit, that means something like the inexhaustible vessel. Okay. And it's essentially like, okay, bear with me, listeners, because I know like sort of making cross-cultural comparisons is is sort of fraught territory. Uh, but this is essentially, yeah, the like Hindi version of the cornucopia, the horn of plenty. It's just oh. a little bowl that just fills up with food and you eat some and it fills right back up again and you eat some and it fills right back up again. The story goes... That when the five sons of uh, Panda, not like Panda, not like a panda bear, but like the five <laughs> sons of Panda, uh, they they uh, were living in the forest in exile. Um, but yet, like, being the sons of Panda, the Pandavas, uh, you know, still like pretty important people. Um, they're central, they're central figures in the epic of the uh, Mahabharata. So even though they're living in exile, like they're still getting guests. They're they're having kings and dignitaries and um, uh, all these people coming and like chatting and like palling around with them. Um, but when you're entertaining, when you're receiving guests like that, it's sort of proper. Uh, uh, it being being a proper host is like providing something for them, providing some some refreshments. Uh, some 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 something that what a good host does you offer some food yeah uh, but yeah if you're living in exile and uh, destitution in the forest well it's, it's kind of hard to do that um, so one day uh, one of the Pandavas uh, Yudhisthira prayed to the god Surya who blessed him who blessed him with the Akshaya Patra and it is it's just it, it looks like a little just a little pot um i don't know if it's iron or like i see some illustrations of it that looks that makes it look like it's iron or maybe it's ceramic um i just don't know but um but yeah it just it just that's and so that's how the five sons that the five brothers were able to like entertain their guests and welcome everybody along was because they had this they have this and and, and it would continue to produce food uh, until um, uh, this one individual, uh, Draupadi, when this person ate, that was it. That was like, all right, kitchen's closed. Get out of here. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here in the forest in exile. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> uh, and so... It just so happens that there's another kind of story that, um, yeah, a group led by one Durvasa, which if I had read more about the Mahabharata, I would know who that is. But but sadly, I don't. Uh, he he and his entourage shows up and wants to hang out with these peeps. Uh, but wouldn't you know it, it was after Draupadi um, finished eating. And that's it. No more. Uh, the the Ak, the the Akshaya Patra is done for the day, uh, but of course, who should come along and help and right this situation? None other than again Lord Krishna. You, you know him, you love him. 
and so uh, Draupadi prayed to Krishna. So like, hey, can you, you know, just like give us a little more food here? Sorry, I know I already ate. Didn't know these other people were going to be coming by. But, you know, could you could you do like a little bit more? Just a little bit once. Uh, and so then, yeah, when uh, Draupadi prayed, nothing happened. He was like, oh, oh, shit. What are, uh, <laughs> here comes, here comes Dervasa and, and all of his buddies. Well, what, what are we going to do? We're going to be bad hosts. What the shit? But very shortly after, Krishna appeared himself, Lord Krishna, and said, uh, hey, Draupadi, I'm a little hungry. Can you scrounge up any food for me? And Draupadi's like, Lord Krishna, like I just prayed to you, but I prayed to you because we're out of food. I, I can't give you anything. So it's bad enough that we can't feed uh, these mortals here. Now I can't feed like one of the biggest gods in the Hindi pantheon. So what the shit? Uh, but Krishna said, no, we'll just like check, just like check inside the inexhaustible vessel. Cause it's, you know, it's inexhaustible. There's, 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 there might just be something in there. And so Draupadi did, she looked inside and what did she find? She found a single grain of rice and like a little bit of like vegetables, like a little, like kind of half nibble, half morsel of vegetables. And offer and offered that up to Krishna. So it's like, well, we have this. <laughs> and so he ate. He said he was very satisfied. He was very happy. He was very grateful for the meal. And so then the Akshaya Patri overflowed once more. And there was food aplenty for Durvasa and all of his buddies. And I uh, yeah, and so it so it is. It it's it, it's Re coming across this magical object very much reminded me of yes the cornucopia the horn of plenty um and also from our scp episode the never-ending pizza box um, <laughs> yes which who knew who knew that like uh whatever dude on reddit first said like hey wouldn't it be cool if there was a pizza box that was always full of pizza and whatever you wanted it'd just be there little did that dude know that he was in fact like channeling something that goes all the way back to the mahabharata <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> it's so so yeah i think but but then again like i i do know that yes like uh much like and again this is this is a fairly like cross-cultural thing yeah like uh, if, if you're receiving people over, you like always offer them something to eat. Uh, and I've seen like really cool videos on YouTube where like, yeah, these giant uh, Hindu temples, like day in and day out, they feed tens of thousands of people. And it's just like enormous uh, iron, essentially walks. And they're just yeah. like cooking up a shit ton of rice, cooking up a shit ton of vegetables, making like naan, um, and like and, and, and like that's part of the, that's part of their service. Or yeah, it might be Hindu or it might be. Uh, I know uh, Sikh is a big one yeah for Sikh that. right yeah so yeah. so it could be it could be that as well. But um, I just love that. I, I just love that. Like that seems to be one of these like irrespective of whatever culture or region and even like time uh, that you find yourself living in. Like offering people being be, being hospitable, offering guests and visitors and strangers something to eat, uh, is yeah like such a fundamental thing, and uh, yeah like doing that gets you rewarded, and not doing that 
gets you, um, yeah, like some sort of like horrific punishment in the <laughs> afterlife. <laughs> but you know, too, you could look at like when you do that the wrong way and you know, you screw somebody over, like who's, what is it? Um, Oh, who's the guy, Josh? And he showed up and the, the king, the king showed up to his house and the other king made him food. And he's like, do you like the food? And he's, Oh yeah, I loved it. And he pulls off the, like the, the, the final like serving where thing. And it's his son's head. It's like, ha ha ha. You just ate your sons. And like, Oh, I want to say it was Persian or Greek, but like either Marduk or Zeus cursed them for like all eternity. Yeah, that uh, that 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 happens a couple times. Yeah, uh, it happens a couple Greek, times. Like yeah, yeah. In Greek myths. Well, and and even Tantalus. Um, yeah, I think I think if I remember right, I think Tantalus even like fed fed his own sons to the gods. He was like, "Hey, Olympians, come to my place," uh, even though like secretly I'm a real son of a bitch. And yeah, he like chopped up his own kids and like fed them to the gods. And so yeah, his his punishment there in. Tartarus in the underworld was yeah he was constantly hungry and thirsty and he was like plopped right underneath a fruit tree but every time he reached up to grab uh some fruit a wind would come and blow it out of his reach and every time he and he was also like like waist deep in cool refreshing uh lake water but every time he bent down to take a drink the water would like like the tide would go out and he could never so that was his that was very much his like uh punishment for yeah, not uh, observing uh, host rights. I was like, oh yeah, then you're going to be hungry as shit and thirsty as shit for like the rest of time and not, not going to be able to do anything about it. <laughs> so you've got this, you've got this magic bowl. What, let's just say you can like, it, whatever oh, you man. want comes out of it. What is your unending like? Well, if I had to, so and from, from what I gather, it like offered a whole bunch of things. Like you got your, daily fruits and vegetables and your protein and all that. But if I had to just pick one. No, no, you're an American. You, you okay. get to do whatever you want with okay. this. Don't I, worry about fruit. Okay. You don't, Josh, you don't eat fruits well, and vegetables. Yeah, buddy. Come on, come on, come on. I mean, I know you do, but come on. That's not what we're here for. Well, then maybe. <laughs> I want m- unending asparagus. My meal stink <laughs> for a thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I believe I mentioned this again in our food episodes. I, I'm a pasta boy. So, yeah, just... Never ever never ending pasta, uh, but unlike Olive Garden, it would be like actually good, <laughs> and not just gummy packaged and microwaved stuff. Um, yeah, just like all sorts of pasta, all the all the shapes, all all the sauces, all the proteins, just pasta for days. Okay. Which which also reminds me, uh, one of my favorite books as a little kid uh, was Streganona by Tommy DePaula. Hmm. And in the very first Streganona book, it's it's like an Italian kind of folklore thing. And uh, her name means like grandma witch. But she's like a good witch. She's she's a good witch. And so she has she has a pot that she like sings a song to it and it produces spaghetti and noodles just constantly. And so she feeds the town that way. Um, and then she like sings another little song and then it stops cooking. And I swear mm. to God, I was like... That would be a perfect magical object for this episode and absolutely one that I'd want in my house. Uh, but when I was doing some research, no, Tommy DePaulo just made it up. Like, I thought it was a legit, like, old old school Italian folktale. But no, he just he just made it up. <laughs> I was super pissed. 
It was like, oh yeah, the near the the year is 1973, and I'm Tommy DePaula, and I'm gonna make up this story. I was so ticked when I found out that 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 it was just his creation, and it wasn't like a legit old school, uh, yeah, like fable or something. Um, but still, it would be probably pasta, just pasta for days. Right on. Pasta what are you days, thinking? Okay. What what are, what are some of the what are some of the first things that are coming out of the uh, Akshaya Patra for you? Oh man, I'm a big I'm a big fan of bar food. Mm-hmm. I want like nasty ass fries. I want nasty not 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 nasty, but like yeah. Remember how gross saying ass fries were, Josh? Oh my god, they they were, but they were so good. They were so fucking good. I like dream about those things, like a never-running bowl of those. Yeah. But really and truly, I just want some good fried calamari whenever I want it. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That'd be amazing. Yeah, just fried fried seafood. <laughs> yeah, calamari, unending calamari. Calamari for days. Calamari for days. Ah, that'd be that'd be sweet. That'd be so good. And it would. <laughs> it'd be like, yeah, like whatever. Because I think this is also kind of like the the like embedded message is like it's not just for you you like share with other people right and so yeah like just block party after block party hey yo neighbor what sounds good um oh some like saint saint louis style ribs here we go bon appetit and uh yeah man that'd be awesome that'd be sweet (laughs) just like get people together make a whole bunch of food but like you don't you don't have to clean up afterwards you know, it's like whatever you want. Yeah, that'd be that'd be incredible. <laughs> I'm in. Do it. <laughs> so yeah, so What's so that? that was, and again, probably going to be hard to find one of those on Amazon. But yeah, but a girl can dream. A girl can dream. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess the other kind of cool thing, like because it, it mentions food specifically. It'd also be cool if there was like the never-ending punch bowl uh, or the never-ending like keg, I guess, that would pour out dark and stormies to your heart's content or Texas ranch water to your heart's content, whatever it may be. We we did that. It was that goat, right? Um, yes, that's right. See, look at gardening. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, gardening le- laid, ledra or something. Something. Oh, um, yeah. I and I even it was tied on to that. the tree. It was. Tied to Isidril and like, yeah, it ate the leaves, but then it produced like unending meat or something. See, yeah. look at look at this, man. Maybe oh, we like maybe we're more magical than we give ourselves credit for, Josh. I think I think so too. And and perhaps it was. Perhaps we did have a bit of a, a bit of a dry run or a dry spell, I guess. But no, we we can, <laughs> dry spell. We can <laughs> we can we can get magical with the best of them. Um, but but also. On the topic of uh, beverages, so I'm I'm moving on now to uh, ranch water spicy, which is Ooh. yeah, it's essentially yeah, like the same thing, just like this sort of like yeah, very like bland, but not in a bad way, just a very mild margarita. That's that's essentially what all these taste like. Um, but this one, yeah, just has like I don't know jalapeno too. So, um, but anyway, okay. that's what that's what I've and and, and I and I take it that you are uh, staying staying the course. Through the dark and storms. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So far, my duff glass has not run out yet. Maybe it's, you know, magical too. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Yep, but I do have something special on deck as soon as this thing runs out. And I am oh, I'm excited okay. for it. Very good. Very good. Well, to help us pass the time, uh, what, what, what next magical item do you have, do you have for us here, Mark? 
All right, Josh, I got maybe, maybe, maybe the most magical item of all. If I said, Josh, oh, what's a wizard's best friend, what would you say? Well, I I think I'd have to say his orb, right? His like a wizard orb? orb? His crystal ball? His crystal ball? Maybe... Yeah, let's talk about crystal balls real quick. Let's talk about crystal balls, man. Woo! Let's peer into our orbs, and not those <laughs> orbs, listeners. You're being gross. <laughs> I love it. Oh. So number one, crystal balls, Josh, have been around forever. Oh man. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it. Um, dating as far back to the first century CE, Pliny the Elder described them. Mm. He called them crystallium orbs, and he said that soothsayers would look into the ball while trying to like gain images of the future or some type of like event, you would ask the soothsayers a question. They would like look into the ball and gaze into this ball, mm. and it would give you the answer you wanted. Classically, they're just you know a clear crystal ball. It's clear. It's mm-hmm. see through. It's a ball. That's like I don't know it's how much clearer to be yeah. about it. It's, yeah, it's right there. Don't don't overcomplicate this, guys. It's it's a crystal ball. They were super popular. Like. In all forms of magic, up until the 5th century CE, when the early Christian cult said, No, those are heretical. You can't do that anymore. (laughs) Once again, listeners, take a drink when Christians ruin all the fun. Yeah, yeah. Then we really will need a never-ending cup of... (laughs) (laughs) But but anyway, yes, yes. (laughs) Um... Um, we've talked about this guy before, and he's probably going to get his own episode at some point. But Dr. John D. Mm, yep. He was like the queen's personal wizard. And not only was he a wizard, but he was also like a pretty awesome scholar. It, okay, John D. is if Wilbur Waitley, Waitley wasn't evil, but he was also loaded. Right, yeah. He had yeah. unending resources. He had like, literally like he was a member of court. He was hot shit to the queen. She loved him. And so he got to kind of do whatever he wanted. And he used crystal balls all the time in his hermetical stuff. Mm, gotcha. Basically, the idea is, like I said, you just look down into it and that's what you get. But I kind of want to take a side note here and mention that this crystal balls aren't just like isolated into like the old world, if you think about it that way. Mm-hmm. There was a type of... um. There was a type of, like, scrying magic that the Aztec priests would use. And they would write on pieces of... They would, like, write out lines. And they'd hold those lines of whatever text they'd written up against an obsidian, like... Just a big chunk of black obsidian. Mm. And then they would read the reflections that were reflected in the obsidian. And that's where they would get their prophecies. Or their, like... Not their prophecies, but that's right. where they would get their, like... Okay, that's things. badass. Yeah. It's that's, pretty damn cool. That's badass. Because, yeah, it's it's like... Yeah, you like make a bunch of scribbles. You go, that that's sweet. That's awesome. I'm I can get down on that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm glad you can get down on it because we're gonna like go down a rabbit hole, Josh. Because I went down <laughs> a dumb rabbit hole. Um, I mentioned crystal balls just like a gateway because I had to peer through and find my end game here, and boy did I find it. Mm. Let's talk about divination for a hot goddamn minute. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I'm going to mention a couple famous ones. We're not going to touch astrology because that's too damn big and we don't have the damn time. Right. Yep. But I kind of have learned, Josh, in the last like week or two of researching this shit, like if humans put literally half the effort into anything else that we have put into 
trying to discern weird bullshit science out of weird bullshit, <laughs> we would have achieved our scientific victory by now as like a species. Yeah, we, you and I would have would be recording this episode on Mars, um, but alas, here, here we are because too many people were watching how birds fly and trying to make sense of that. <laughs> That was one of them. That's a yeah. That's one of them. It's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> um, the most common forms that I kind of want to just really briefly, briefly touch on are tea reading. So like mm. you make a cup of tea, you let the leaves sink to the bottom, you drink the tea, and then you look into it, and whatever shape you have is discerned in the tea leaves. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, just for funsies, Josh, I practice a form of this type of scrying myself, but I do it with the foam in my beer glass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think you've even been around me while I'm drinking a beer and I'll look at my bubbles and go, hey, it's a this. And you're like, the fuck are you talking about? It's a this. Yes, I do. I do dimly remember that because I was also drinking some beer and like trying to make sense of things. Not not quite in the same way. But no, I think I remember that, too. I do it so much. It's now passe with Amanda. Yeah. (laughs) She will just ask me, what do you see in the bubbles? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. That's so cool. Well, I um I, I don't know if this is quite like as legit. Um, but I'll do that with my coffee cuz yeah, like I use a French press and there's quite a bit of like silt and mud from the coffee grounds that makes its way oh, in there. Yeah. And so then yeah, like when I'm getting to the end, I don't completely polish it off cuz yeah, it's pretty nasty, but yeah, like you seeing don't how You want to drink coffee grinds? Yeah, call me call me crazy, Mark. Uh but uh <laughs> You're bougie, Josh. You're bougie. I, I guess. I guess. But but also, it's even if it's I'm not trying to yeah like divine anything. It's just it's just pretty. Like it, it's it's like yeah, sort of like just just kind of pretty. Like to see the like patterns and like things that things that come out of yeah, looking at the like coffee mud. So yeah, I can dig it. Yeah. Um, and then following up with that is tarot cards. Tarot cards mm. are used hugely in divination magic work. Yep. And I kind of have now figured out that they're kind of a crock of shit. But hey, man, whatever you need to power your magic, whatever. You can't, like, say, this is the way you do it and it's wrong. But initially, the first tarot cards appeared sometime in the 15th century. Mm. But these were, like, and I wrote this in my notes, and I wish that I could. I don't have a better way to do this and just read it as I wrote it. Sure. These are more like magic cards. Magic with the C than oh, magic with the K cards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just decks of cards that people would play games with. Mm-hmm. But they had these, like, they had certain, they had suits on them. So it was, like, clubs, cups, uh-huh. swords, yeah. pentacles, stuff like that. And then, like, there was the, you know, the hero cards and then, like, the joker card or the fool card. And that's right. sort of, like, our weird precursor for how we have, like, decks of cards today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's it, right? Like, like, yeah, what we think of as, like, a standard deck of cards uh yeah that, that's just like one uh, uh species if you will that just like happened to survive so uh yeah there were like multiple uh yeah like decks of cards with different suits and different types of cards in them and different values and all that uh yeah yeah that stuff's awesome yeah. i love that yeah so it wasn't until the late 18th century when people actually started looking at like tarot cards and going oh well the devil means this and the hermit means this and the tower means this and the hangman is this. So like they started describing these like meanings to the cards, which is what you do. This is the point of like the ritual of the magic is you ascribe meaning to the thing 
And then as these things appear, you can take your answers out of that. Okay. So, I... like, what, the, uh, the, the devil card, if it's facing away from you, is a sign of good luck. But if the devil faces you, it's bad luck. Right. Well, because I... I should have looked more into tarot than I did. I didn't. Well, because I know part of it, too, is like, yeah, like, uh, depending, like, when, when they're laid out, if they're, like, facing... Yeah, like right side up or like upside down, like that. Yeah, it 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 can either invert its usual message or do something like that. Yeah, I um I not at all that like I got into that, but just kind of again being a wizard and like kind of picking up things along the way. I know that there's something like that. Like you like say your little thing, you burn some incense, and then you place them face up and depending on their position if they're facing you or not yeah double their effects or negate or inverse yeah 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 and then there's like different ways to like lay them stuff like that but not for nothing right now i'm rocking a hermit like a the hermit card uh tank top oh sweet that's i like the hermit the hermit represents like introspection and shit and and it's the wizard on the led zeppelin poster oh yeah it's cool because so much of this shit is so ingrained into our, like, zeitgeist, uh, especially, mm-hmm. like, with rock and roll. Like, th- I really think that this is where rock and roll gets some of its, like, satanic shit. Uh, not satanic shit, but, like, satanic shit. Right, like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, which, 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 for our intents and purposes, yeah, like, like, non, non-Christian imagery and iconography and all that, uh. Yeah, that's awesome. Tenacious D's first album was a recreation of uh, Kyle Gass and Jack Black in doing in the Devil Card. Oh dang! Yeah, little that's things like cool. that. That's super. Cool. Um, but it wasn't until, so it it kind of died off then. But so we kind of went crazy in the 1800s for all things mysticism because white folks had a ton of money and nothing better to do than to blow it on dumb shit. Yeah, yeah, that's that still sounds about right. But yeah. <laughs> It was it was different though. It was different back then because like you had an entire class of people, especially in America, like an entire class of people that were literally designated just for work. Mm. Yeah. So I guess that's true. the others could do this shit. So this is where is like true. you get the booms for like seances and shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you get people like the Fox Sisters who said, "Oh yeah, we can you know communicate with the dead," but really they were just you know stuffing cheesecloth in their veggies and saying it's ectoplasm. Look at it, and they throw it in your face. <laughs> Um, but so it kind of petered out in the early, like, 1900s, but then it came roaring back in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, I believe. Again, with the emergence of rock and roll and rock and roll imagery. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I know we, we are intentionally putting this on the back shelf, but I, I think that, that also, if I remember right, kind of coincided with the. Uh, return of interest in astrology and people asking, hey, what's your sign? Um, so, yeah, just yeah. again, that's sort of like the like after effects of like all things counterculture um, and burnt out hippies. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now today it's so widespread and prevalent that you can literally throw a metaphorical rock on Twitter and some vaguely groovy looking chick. She will offer you to pay her money to let yeah. her read your tarot cards for you. Yeah, that is, that is, yeah, that is, that is. So it. now like it's kind of become passe and silly, but I'm not satisfied with that amount of silliness. I want to get even sillier. But before we do that, Josh, I need to break and say that I have now opened up an Oscar blues brewing Western uh-huh. mutant IPA. Oh, very nice. I actually I It is a West Coast style India Pale Ale. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the can says, we're digging deep to find the IPA's roots and reach new heights of hopped up weirdness featuring Nelson Swaven out of New Zealand, Ekoya hops out of Germany, Saphir hops out of Germany, and Simcoe hops out of the Pacific Northwest. But the reason that I bought this, mm-hmm. listeners, uh, this week, my co-host for the Dangle podcast, Johnny, came down and we recorded a ton of episodes of Dangle podcast. And drank a ton of beer, but this one, <laughs> I this is the only survivor, Josh. And you know why it survived? Because there's that? a goddamn jackalope on the can. <laughs> yes. Um, and I love it. It I is it. pretty all right. Good man. That's 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 awesome. Yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm honored. I'm honored that huh. that one made it to. Uh, yeah, like made it past the Dingle Podcast Marathon session. So. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, cheers to that, man. Cheers, buddy. I'm more amazed than anything. <laughs> but... Little column A, little right. column B. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Little column A, little column B. <laughs> so before I go insane and talk about other forms of divination, Josh, do you want to jump in here and give me one of your fun items? Uh yeah, we can. Uh, let's see here. What would be a good? Because I'm about to go insane. Yeah, no, that is that is that is understandable. Um. We we both I think we both um, respectively like kicked a kicked a bunch of ant hills, found out that there were rabbit holes in those ant hills, and then those led to multiverses. So this is again could be the basis for like an entire other thing, um, but like magic books are like a huge. There's so oh, many, yeah, so many magic books. Dude, it's, I almost did a whole thing on grimoires. I'm really glad yeah, you're here. Right, and so yeah, between things like spell books and grimoires and, and all that stuff, like there, there's just too many to mention. But, um, but yeah, I think I think I just wanted to sort of yeah give like a quick little shout out to to a few. Um, of course, uh, there is probably some of the most famous ones um, coming out of Egypt are like the Book of Life and the Book of Death, right? Um, that are associated with, as you could probably imagine, right, the 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 afterlife and how to get there, and processes of like making mummies and uh, what to expect when you're expecting to die, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all stuff too. Um, uh, then I found out this one, and I again could have like fallen down some really really crazy rabbit holes here but um there's also apparently a mesopotamian uh sumerian akkadian uh book called the tablet of destinies which like a that's just amazing it just sounds awesome um and so and so yeah and so it was we think like a clay tablet because that's how I, yeah, I guess like before papyrus, but then even like continuing after papyrus, uh, all those people in Sumer were like, "Oh, neat, you're writing on like early paper. Ah, we'll just stick to like pressing a stick into clay. That's that's been treating us good so far." Uh, and and yet, and yet, uh, yeah, like pap- papyrus uh, uh, gets shredded and like falls apart and. Um, yeah, it's like super perishable and you have to like have very strict conditions to preserve it. But we still are like finding burnt clay tablets that, oh wait, uh, the, the city was, uh, uh, besieged and like 
was engulfed in fire. Oh well, of course, yeah. There go all the papyrus and the and the uh, parchment and manuscripts. But jokes on you, I'm already burnt clay. So this fire is just <laughs> making me like harder and more resilient. That scholars th- thousands of years from now will find me. So jokes on you, papyrus neener neener. Um, <laughs> Get fucked, papyrus. You weak ass <laughs> read bullshit. <laughs> And so, yeah, the Tablet of Destinies, I guess much like the Pick of Destiny, if you will. Um, yeah, this, like, legendary... <laughs> and I will, sir, I will. <laughs> uh, yeah, this legendary object. Um, and it makes an appearance in the Sumerian poem Ninurta and the Turtle. Uh, in this poem, uh, the god uh, Enki, he steals the tablet uh, and he brings it to Abzu. Okay. And so then there's a there's another version uh, the ba- the Babylonian uh, Enuma Elish uh, uh, it's uh, the goddess Tiamat uh, who gives this tablet to uh, uh, Kingu and uh, yet I, I don't, like I was saying man like just there's just way too many cool magical books or like just like things getting written down. Um, yeah, well, we will probably return to like just that topic at some point. But I'm also reminded of uh, how we had mentioned in previous episodes, too, that like writing, just like writing itself is a magical act. So, of course, there's like magical books and uh, whether it's things writ- being written down and then read in reverse as uh, portrayed on an obsidian sphere like you talked about or like carvings into a temple just like writing writing is neat and writing is magic and yeah there's just they're just magical books for days stacks and stacks and stacks of magical books yeah like there's tons i went down a weird hole where they have just all these grimoires online they they digitally scanned them but i can't read latin right yeah yeah and but, <sighs> google translate has not yet mastered latin either because it's it's pretty it's pretty iffy um, Which is better? Because otherwise, that's how you start like Evil true. Dead, the yeah. like the Evil Dead reboot in 2022. Because <laughs> all these fucking goth nerd kids get on to, like you know Yahoo Answers or Quora. <laughs> how do I summon an ancient Sumerian demon? Whatever, oh, that's really Mom. easy. Sweet. I'm tired of washing the dishes. God. And then yeah, like read something out of the book and. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's too funny it's too funny but um and, and of course uh you and i also have quite a bit of experience with yeah some magical books some some grimoires uh because we often find time to read out of the necronomicon and Hell share yeah. share the mad ravings of abdul al hazred so yeah that's something that you and i are also kind of kind of familiar with in our own ways the the older I get, the more shit that I read, the more I'm just convinced that like Lovecraft saw too deep. Yeah, yeah, man. And yeah, <laughs> he he because you know again. what, man? Like, if nothing else, he nailed the whole like timeline of the evolution on Earth, like in Mountains of Madness, mm-hmm. like down to a point. It was like, oh, you didn't, we didn't know about this yet. You, there's no way you could have known about this yet. Like, well, and he was. He was writing about this uh, uh, planet far beyond the orbit of Neptune. Um, not only before Pluto was discovered, 
But also now there's like Planet X that we're pretty sure it's like, oh yeah, this thing is like a thousand astronomical units, a thousand times the distance uh, from Earth to the sun. That's yeah, we're pretty sure this thing is out there. So I think he did like as much as we kind of meme and joke about it. I think he did correlate the contents of his mind and like piece together disparate information uh, and got paid like a half a cent per word to write about it. So <laughs> yeah. What? He made like a penny a word or something terrible. Yeah, Something, something terrible like that. And there's like, Oh yeah. Howard, this is great stuff. Keep it coming, baby. And he's just like, no, like this is, this, this is, this is, this is a thing. There's rats in the walls and they're like, Oh yeah, great. That's a, that'll be a great one too. <laughs> Maybe we'll up yeah. you to a cent and a half per word. <laughs> Never mind. Get out of here. <laughs> JK, get fucked, nerd. <laughs> so, yeah, I I don't know if I quite, like, forestalled your rabbit hole. You're, like, peering into a void. Because I kind of was like, oh, well, here's this whole other void we could peer into. But back to you, Mark. <laughs> Not at all. I'm glad you did because I'm about to get real weird. Okay, perfect. I went down my own... I, my own like weird hole of void. Mm. Don't set, make that sound as gross as it did in your own heads, listeners. Um, I want to talk about the batshit, and this is this is just my silly little list of yucks okay. about the most batshit crazy ways that we have ever tried to figure out something from something by doing something to oh understand said oh, aforementioned it. something. So. Cue up that fucking Wii Fit music, Mark, for the first time in a while. Here we go, Josh. All right. Um, number one. And also, Josh, I'm going to totally tap you. I know you said you try oh. to avoid Greek shit. <laughs> All of these have Greek names. So, oh, oh, man. you tell me. Number one. Anthromancy. What does it mean? Uh, uh, like, like, like using humans, using men to like predict the future? Using humans! A human is sacrificed. The said oh, sacrifice okay. is burnt, then it's cut open and the entrails are examined and the ashes are read to mm. try and ascertain some answer to something. Gross as shit. Yeah. Arachnomancy. Uh, well, that, that'd be spiders. That's Looking spiders. at spider webs, even specifically? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you look at spiders, you watch spiders as they weave their webs, and then you draw your conclusions from that. This is Charlotte's Web, before E.B. fucking White ever even conceived of that son of a bitch and spider. Some pig. <laughs> all right. Some pig! Uh, all right. I'm gonna go die! Yeah, uh, yeah, Stratagos, uh, maybe we don't want to have the battle today. Um, <laughs> saw this weird message in the spider web there. <laughs> <laughs> what else is it? Because there's some pig and there's like, uh, oh god, what else? What else is Charlotte right? Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I just, I know you said Patroclus, and I'm like, they're in Troy. What's the spider whip say? Horse? What the hell does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> kind of weird though how it looks though, right? Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. You watch a spider. You watch a spider weave its web, and then you look at how it does it, and then you, like, look at the finished result, and, like, apparently it's... I, that, appara that, that tells you Again, something. this is from people who had way more time than I have to devote to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Next, and this one broke my brain when I read it, and I kind of went insane a little bit. 
Batroquomancy. Uh, would that be frogs? That would be frogs, yeah. Josh. You place frogs or newts or toads in front of a variety of objects that are meant to like represent a different thing. So like this is like tarot before tarot was tarot. But so like here's this like urn that means warfare and here's this sword that means I go pork my wife and here's like a leg of lamb that means I make peace with the Cretans. And then you like poke the frog or the newt or the toad in the ass and whichever direction that's they jump. That's that's oh that's God. your answer. That's what you want, good buddy. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Cyclonomancy. This one might be kind of weird for you. Uh, Cyclonomancy. Is that uh, like something with the wind? Maybe? It's a wheel. Oh, oh, okay. Well, yeah, wheel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cyclo. Yeah, okay. I see. Literally, this is just we. Uh, this is the prices, right? Like, you know, the multiplier wheel. Oh, but for okay, ancient yeah. times, mm. you just write shit on a wheel, spin that wheel, and then whatever pops up is what you get. It's the, it's the wheel of fortune. The literally the wheel of fortune. Yes. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cyclo. Yeah. That makes sense. This one wasn't a surprise to me, but it was one that I actually have a magical text for. Oh. Uh, Demon Mancy. Yeah. You, you call upon like. These, like, weird, not quite full-on gods, but definitely more than mortals. Yeah, these little spirits and spooks and stuff, and you ask them what's up. Yeah. So just for fun, Josh, as I read out of my Lesser Key of Solomon text, mm. um, if we wanted, let's say you and I had a question about something, one of our best bets could be the demon Agares. Mm. He is the second spirit, and is called a du he is called a duke. He is under the power of the east and cometh in the form of an old fair man riding upon a, riding upon a crocodile, carrying a goshawk upon his fist, and yet mild in appearance. <laughs> he maketh them to run that stand still, and bringeth back run and bringeth back the runaways. So like, this dude is all about classroom management. You fucking kids sit down and <laughs> shut the fuck up. He teaches all languages or tongues presently, so this dude will teach you That's every sweet. single language. He hath the power to destroy dignities, both spiritual and temporal, causeth earthquakes. He was of the order of virtues. He hath under his government 31 legions of spirits. And this is his seal of character thou shalt wear as a lamin before thee. So, and it gives the picture of it. Magical Dang. text, Lesser Key of Solomon. I think it's like 15 bucks on Amazon. Okay. Guys, go get it. Go, go raise up it. a fucking demon. It gives you all the instructions. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, you're right there. You're right there. <laughs> okay, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> now, Josh, speaking of hellfire and brimstone and bad smells, next up we have gastromancy. Uh, is that is that with your, like, your eating, your digestion, your food? It's, yeah, it's in your tum-tum. It's <laughs> listening and interpreting the sounds that a human stomach makes. <laughs> and I don't know about you and your Mrs. Wizard, but some days me and my boss will stand there and our stomachs will, like, gurgle in, like, <laughs> resonance with each other. They'll just... I would love to say me and my Mrs. Wizard could be this close, but quite frankly, me and my boss are this close. We'll just be standing there, like, doing shit, and it'll be quiet for half a second, and his stomach will go off, and mine will answer his. <laughs> or, or... Mine will go off, and his will answer mine. That's amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> well, and the other day, when I, uh, yeah, inadvertently, or like, unknowingly, ate that Carolina Reaper uh, hot chili. Oh, yeah, you better believe there's some 
gastromancy going on there. He's like, Josh, pull this car over because you you got to get this out of your system, man. <laughs> and I reckon your Mrs. Wizard could interpret those signs. Right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, she could. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Scatharomancy. And I bet I said that one wrong, too, but... Hmm. Is that maybe like the shadows? No, this is um looking at the track or the footprint patterns that beetles make in sand. Oh, well that's that's that that's way cooler cuz like shadows whatever, but yeah, you get to follow a little beetle along and then interpret it's like uh yeah, footprints. That's awesome. Yeah, so you take a beetle, put him in like a set size case ask the question and then the beetle will walk in the little patterns and bounce off the walls and <laughs> somehow you discern from that um oh how do you even say this oh ligmancy oh oh legmancy i don't even know boy for being greek i can't say greek words huh well they, they are yeah they are tricky oligmancy i think i'm gonna have to throw in the towel on this one i i don't know why <laughs> It is using the howls of dogs. You ask a question, oh. and if dogs, like in the countryside, howl at the question, that's either like the affirmative or the negative. Of it. <laughs> but but the, if all of these weren't dumb enough, okay. if all of these weren't dumb enough, I have the ultimate dumbness, Josh. Oh boy. One that even you and I and our dear listeners at home not only should, but nay, must replicate this one. Alrighty. Giromancy. And no, before you ask, it is not delicious Greek food. You eat a lot of Greek food, and then, like, your poops are the letters. That's not it. <laughs> is it, um... Because, uh, yeah, I know, like, gyro is in, like, gyro means to, like, spin around. Is it, like, you spin and get dizzy and fall down, and then, like, in your disorientation, you're able to perceive the future? It is literally that until the last part. Okay. You put a person, it's basically dizzy magic eight ball person. <laughs> you you put a person in a in a room in a ring in a whatever. You have like words or letters that have their own, you know, ascribed uh, meaning to them. Awesome. And then you spin around in circles until you fall over because you're so goddamn dizzy and whatever you land on, that's what you mark off. <laughs> And also, before you ask, Josh, you're goddamn right. This process can be augmented by the use of alcohol. I would think it would almost have to. Yeah. I just love, yeah, between that one and the beetle and the frog, Mancy, um, like, I immediately thought of the uh, just just brilliant South Park episode of the Margaritaville, uh, like, home margarita maker, where, like, Stan is going, and, and it's like... It's 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 a send up of yeah the like uh, housing crisis of the late two thousands there, and so like Stan Marsh is going on this epic quest. He's just trying to return uh, Randy's margarita frozen margarita machine, uh, but then he like goes into like the inner sanctum of like the Department of State because because it, it's all bound up. It's all bound up in this conspiracy. Like he can't just get a refund for this thing because it has something to do with the housing market because people are selling subprime mortgages, blah, 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 blah. And what is like the big secret, the big driver of it? Um, no, like the dudes just like cut the head off a chicken and let it run around in a circle and wherever it falls over on whatever panel, that's that's what they do. And they raise, raise bonds. 
<laughs> Which, yeah, that's, I mean, that makes as much sense of it as anything else. So, <laughs> What if I were to tell you that mm. the rooster thing was totally a goddamn thing? Oh, no, I'm, I'm absolutely believe it. Yeah, I absolutely believe that that's, <laughs> that's true. Well, and, and, and I also kind of threw out sort of half jokingly before, yeah, like, like watching birds and like, cause yeah, that is augury. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah, it, it, it can be either how birds fly or if they like fight each other. I think a lot of with the sacrifices, not only with humans, but a lot of the sacrifices too is like, yeah, you like cut the thing's stomach open and how the insides spill out. That's also, you read those like tea leaves, I guess. Um, yeah, that's a big one is in the guts. Yeah. And so it's so, yeah, it seems like both that, right? The like sort of randomness induced by, yeah, how the innards flop out or where this thing jumps or where it lands or where it falls over, which and, and not to like put too fine a point on this, but but I've, I've actually heard some pretty compelling, um, yeah, like either lectures or talks just about that like we make fun of like we in our rational minds we make fun of like oh look at tarot cards or um yeah look at you looking at spider webs or whatever but in a way like that's what we need we need some sort of element of uh what appears to be randomness and yet that is a that's that that gives us just enough to like access some subconscious either reasoning or rationale or something like that like uh, oh yeah, that that eagle just totally killed a rabbit in her family. Um, so I guess we're sailing to Troy, boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's one too. There's one for the like encountering of magic or not magical the the random encountering of wild animals or like mm-hmm. witnessing animals in nature. Well, yeah, yeah wasn't that um, wasn't that also like the the gardening one? What was it? Where it was, yeah, like if it, if, if you like see a fox um, at midnight or something, or I don't know. Oh, yeah. Maybe that was a joke that yeah. I made up. But but yeah, like when you come across but it an pro- animal. No, but you're not wrong. I think it was a joke you made, but you're not wrong. It's yeah, but totally that's a, a method of like divination. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But. And just for fun, Roostermancy is actually called Electromancy. A L E C T Y O Mancy. Okay. I can dig it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the Greek word for rooster. Well, what you do is not unlike uh, gyromancy, hero-mancy, if you're saying it wrong, because I want to eat a bunch of heroes and fall over. That's how I practice it. But, yeah, you put pieces of grain down on a board, and the whatever one the rooster picks up, that's what you, you write that letter down. Oh, gotcha. I see. I it's, see. It makes so much sense, but mm-hmm. it's also the dumbest goddamn thing I've ever read. <laughs> oh that's too funny oh my god that's too funny (laughs) but that's what i've got for scrying you got any more magical items buddy well well i i do and and this was actually one that like when we were first kind of like coming up with this episode idea you you said like hey josh like no pressure but here's here's some things that i think you could really like kind of kind of go off about and i'll and i'll try to keep them i'll try to keep them relatively short um yeah, but buddy. Uh, one of these is um, uh, a sort of one of the founding uh, legends, one of the founding fables of the uh, Greek city of Thebes. Uh, and uh, story goes, and this is recorded 
and I'm sort of taking most of my guidance here from uh, uh, Ovid's Metamorphoses, uh, book three specifically, where, okay, so Zeus being the horny god that he is, getting with all of the ladies, the one that's of particular note uh, is his seduction of Europa, who was a princess of Crete. And Zeus came down in the form of a bull. Europa said, what a pretty bull. Because on the Isle of Crete, they just love their love their bulls. Um, jumped on his back. Zeus went paddling across the sea there to the mainland. That's why it's called Europe. Um, but her father, uh, King Agenor, uh, said, uh, hey, Cadmus, my son. I'm telling you, you need to, you need to like go track down, find your sister, take care of that bull, and uh, don't come back to Crete until you do. Because if you come back here uh, without your sister, uh, oh, you'll be sorry. Or no, 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 wait, sorry, I, I, I kind of mi mi mix that up there. Um, Zeus brought her to Crete. King Agenor was in Phoenicia. Sorry, that's kind of mixed okay. up. Okay, uh, but at any rate, Cadmus. Maybe he gave it an honest attempt. Maybe he thought, whatever, Dad, I'm, I'm tired of living here anyway. I'm going to find my own place. We, there are conflicting stories. Uh, but he ended up at, that's right, the, the one place that features in 95% of all of Greek mythology, the Oracle of Delphi. And the priestess, the Pythian there, uh, told him, Hey, yeah, you're not going to go back to Phoenicia. You're going to start your own kingdom. And you see that cow over there? Just start following that cow. And wherever it lies down, that's where you're supposed to start the city. And Cadmus is like, all right, sure. You got it. You're the Pythia. And so this, this, this cow was going along up and down and uh, through mountain passes, lays down at this specific spot. And yes, that is where Cadmus is going to start start this city. And so, in his kind of travels, he he picked up some yeah some retainers, some kind of like uh, companions. And so he says, "Hey gang, we're going to start this city here." Uh, but um, I think I saw like a freshwater spring just around the bend. Why don't you go check out? You know, get us some water here, and we can kind of set up there. So he sends two of his buddies out, uh, but they don't come back from the Ismanian spring. And wouldn't you know it, why don't they come back? Because they were killed by a dragon. Uh, oh no! The Ismanian dragon holed up there. And um, Mark, I'm no like city planner. I'm no like urban design guy, but I, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, trying to like found a new city by a dragon, that just, that just spells disaster. <laughs> probably yeah probably not the best practice probably method not there, the yeah. best it's gonna drive down like uh, property values <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff and so cadmus takes it upon himself he's like all right uh this is where the cow laid down that's what the priest has told me to start a city i gotta do this thing and i gotta avenge these two dudes who are just trying to get some water so so he fashions himself a spear uh, goes and kills this dragon, and this line is just too too sweet for me not to share. So this is, uh, hold on, let me grab the book here. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, A.D. Melville's translation of Ovid's Metamorphoses. 
And it goes a little something like, Cadmus pressed on and drove the firm lodged lance deep in the creature's gullet till an oak blocked its retreat and snake and oak, and oak were nailed together. So this dragon's like trying to chomp him, mm-hmm. spears him through the mouth, uh, like keeps kind of pressing him back, pressing him back, and then with so much force, nails this dragon to a tree. Um, that's Jesus. pretty epic, pretty epic. Uh, and so, um, shortly after killing this dragon, um, Athena comes down from Olympus uh, and says, Hey, Cadmus, great job. Well done. Like you tons. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've come to understand you're trying to start a city here and could probably use some more people. Take some of these dragon's teeth uh, and go back to that place where you're going to start this town called, called Thebes and, and plant these dragon teeth in the ground. And like... A, a, a race of men will, will will spring up from the dragon's teeth and they will help you. They will be like sort of the like uh, first families of the city of Thebes. And Cadmus is like, all right, you're Athena. I'm just a mortal. Uh, sure. And so that's what he does. And so he, um, yeah, he, he sows. He, he, he plants these dragon teeth. Uh, and the Greek verb for sowing or spreading is spero. And so, sure enough, what happens when he when he does this? A bunch of dudes jump up out of the ground, and they're clad in like armor, and they have uh, weapons with them. And so these guys were known as the Spartoi, because apparently, yeah, like Sparrow, Spartoi. Um, it's a, it, it's different than Sparta. It's different than that, though. There's a different right, right, right etymology there. And so Camus is like, oh shit, there's a whole lot of those dudes, and. <laughs> they're yeah like fit for battle and i'm just me uh that's not that's maybe a little too many that i hoped for but i can't take them on i can't kill these guys and so he so he he hides behind a big boulder picks up a stone throws it hits some dude's helmet hits one of these spartoys helmet and goes like hey was that you no that wasn't me and so a big brawl oh I, ah. and so a big brawl uh uh ensues and all these dudes are just like slaying each other killing him left and right um, and Cadmus is still kind of like hiding behind the boulder watching this all, all happen. Uh, but eventually there's only five left. There's five of these Spartoi left. And that's when Cadmus jumps out and says like, hey, you five guys, you're the five toughest, uh, strongest warriors. You will like be some of the first noble families to live in my new city of Thebes. And the dudes are like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Hmm. And so I, I love this. I this this is amazing. So th- these these guys are named. They're given names, and I'm giving my rough translation of what these names mean. So uh, the five of the Spartoi, uh, the first guy is named uh, Echion, which is, okay. translates something to like Viper Man. So like oh, Jesus, it's all like, right. It's like Snake Man. Um, there's also Chthonius. Which, Mark, you can probably take a stab at what this dude's name means. Out of the ground, man? Yeah, like from the underground. Diglet? Is it a diglet? It's, it's, you could probably say that, yeah. It's like a de- like, <laughs> like sprung up from the ground. Uh, okay. There's uh, Hyperinor, which, uh, yeah, like hyper means above. So this guy is like mm-hmm. come, come up man, like coming up man. 
Uh, there's number four is Pelorus, which means huge man. And <laughs> okay. And then the fifth one, I, I was, and, and so all of these are attested. Like people in, in, in this fifth one, I kind of had to get creative um, here, but this guy's name is uh, Eudeus. And so this is my take. I'm being I'm being a little bold here, making this translation, uh, but I'm translating that as destruction man. <laughs> so like, these are like the coolest like five Mega Man bosses that, <laughs> that like Cadmus starts Thebes with. I'm Viper Man, it's like the original hissy fit. I was going off about Hissy Fit from Radio Show. <laughs> so yeah, there's Viper Man, Destruction Man, Underground Man, Come Up Man, Coming Up Man, and Huge Man. I love that. That's so awesome. That's so goddamn cool. Um, and so yeah, and so these magical objects are these dragon teeth that you plant them in the ground, and uh, yeah, they sprout uh, fearsome warriors just on their own. Um, it's super cool. Uh, I love it. Th- so, and, and and again, here's a whole other here's a whole other thing. Um, it turns out though that Cadmus only planted about like half of them, and Athena took the other half of the dragon's teeth. Um, okay. And where did she to to whom did she give those other dragon's teeth? And this is so funny, Mark. I don't know if you n- knew this because you floated two ideas by me and. Little did you know that like they were actually kind of linked together. I, I didn't know that they were linked together. Uh, okay. Athena gave the other dragon's teeth to the king of Colchis all the way like on the eastern shore of the Black Sea. And this other incredibly famous magic object that is housed in Colchis, the Golden Fleece. Oh, shit. Yeah. As I was doing my research, okay. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, so like the the two that link these stories together are, yeah, Dragon's Teeth. And so to go into the story of, of, of Jason and the Argonauts and the quest for the Golden Fleece, I, I mean, we're, we're kind of running close on time here. And, and that would take, uh, like, there's an entire epic. There's an entire epic poem uh, that documents this. This is the Argonautica, uh, a third century... A Hellenistic epic poem by uh, Apollonius of Rhodes. So this guy, Apollonius, like 500 or so years, yeah, yeah, like yeah, like 400, 500 years or so after, like Homer said, "Hey, this is really neat. I'm going to write my own version of an epic poem, and it's going to be about Jason and, and the Argonauts." So it, it's the Argonautica. Uh, that story's in there. The story also appears in Ovid's Metamorphosis a little bit later. Uh, there's also Pseudo Apollodorus's uh, book called the Bibliotheque, which literally means library. It's kind of weird to write a book called the library, but it's a, another collection of uh, myths. And of course, you know, we, we can bring some more modern versions of the story here. There's Jason and the Argonauts, the 1963 film with special effects. Now see, by... that one, yeah, that one is the weird tie because... The dude does throw the teeth in, and that's what spawns the skeleton warriors. Yeah, and and that's well, and, and so they, and so yeah, uh, Ray Harryhausen, legendary special effects guy, he had them be, be skeleton warriors, but in yeah, in in the, I guess you could call the original and some of the earlier versions, they're they're just like normal warrior dudes. 
Um, In the source material. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, And then also, coincidentally, on audiobook, I've been listening uh, uh, Stephen Fry, great British actor and comedian. Um, uh, He's he's written a couple... So so his first one was called Mythos in 2017. Uh, He he wrote a second book, Heroes, that has the Jason story. Uh, And then just a couple years ago, he wrote Troy, which is about the Trojan War. So I've been listening to those on audiobook, and they're amazing. Go, Go check out. Here's one more thing to add to your Amazon cart, everybody. Stephen Fry's uh, uh, Mythos, Heroes, and Troy. Um, so yeah, I had Jason and the Argonauts uh, on the brain. But just very quickly, because I, I go into the whole thing. But So where did the Golden Fleece come from? Well, uh, up in the city of uh, Halos in Thessaly, there was a king named Athamas. And he married Nephili, who was a sort of cloud nymph. That's what her name means. It means cloud. Okay. And so they had two children. They had a boy and a girl, uh, Phrixus and uh, Hela. Then, however, Athamas, that uh, that good for nothing, well, why I oughta? Uh, if, if it weren't, I mean, I would be, first and foremost, I'm more than happy with the Mrs. Wizard. Love her to death. Maybe second place would be marrying a cloud nymph. That's pretty badass. I wouldn't want to, like, throw that away. Uh, but apparently, Athamas, call it hubris, call it what you will, but he took up another wife, uh, a woman named Eno. And who is Eno's father? The same Cadmus. So these stories are like, not only do they have the dragon teeth in common, they have Cadmus kind of in common. Uh, Greek mythology is a flat circle. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so Nephili got pissed that being a cloud nymph wasn't good enough. And so she she caused a drought in the land there in Thessaly. And Eno, in maybe like the first sort of iteration of like the evil stepmother trope, uh, she says like, oh... Uh, Athamas, the way to like end this drought is you have to kill these two kids that you had with that, that you had with Cloud Lady, because if, if you do that, then then they'll be then the drought will end. Uh, well, of course, Nephili isn't going to let some mortal kill her kids, and so she sends Chrysomalus, uh, which means okay. golden wool, and it's a it's a ram that has golden wool uh, and wings. And this 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 creature flies down, saves the children, picks them up, and they go flying off. And so the children aren't 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 killed. Uh, Helle, the the daughter, unfortunately, she she lost grip of the flying golden ram, and she fell into the ocean and drowned. Um, and the place near that is called the Hellespont. Oh shit! Yeah, that's like the like Strait of Hella. So it's, yeah, the, the the Hellas Pond. That's where that's where that is. Um, but the boy Phrixus, he makes it all the way. He holds on tight, and so uh, Chrysomalos, the Golden Ram, lands in Colchis, and so that's where Phrixus is going to be. And so he sacrifices this uh, Golden Ram uh, to, um, I believe, Athena. I think that's who it was, or okay. or maybe something like that. Or the, the the ram also gets 
put up in the stars as a constellation. That's where we get Aries. Aries is Chrysomalos, the golden wooled lamb. And so, yeah, his golden fleece is, again, this very magical item. And the people in Colchis are blessed by this thing. Um, and so Jason comes along much later. Um, uh, he is the son of uh, Aeson in the city of Iolcus. Um, but uh, uh, Aeson's evil half-brother Peleus um, has a coup. And so... Uh, he he locks Iason in the dungeon, kills a bunch of people, kills all of Iason's children, uh, and one of uh, Iason's wives, Alchemide, is pregnant with Jason, but she sort okay. of but she sort of like fakes a a stillbirth. She 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 like she and all of her handmaids are like crying really loud and they're pretending like the like like it was a stillborn child. It was Jason. Jason's fine. And she ships Jason. Uh, she ships the young boy off to be uh, uh, trained and educated and raised by the greatest centaur ever, Chiron. Uh, and so Peleus, still a little unsure. He's uh, uh, heavy lies the crown, especially one that is ill-gotten. And so he goes to the Oracle and the Oracle says, hey, beware of a person wearing one sandal if you ever come across a man who's wearing one sandal look out for him and so many years go by jason grows up under the wise mentorship of chiron grows up strong and buff um and so he goes back and and he knows he knows that he should be the rightful king of iolcus and so when he's when he's grown um he heads back there uh, there's apparently like some athletic games in honor of Poseidon. So he's going to go compete in these games, but also confront his like wicked uncle. Uh, and so at, on his way over there, uh, he sees an old woman who's trying to cross a stream, cross a river, but she's old and frail and it's going to get swept away. So he scoops her up, walks her across. Who is that old woman? Uh, which goddess is in disguise as that old woman? Any guesses, Mark? Oh, the old woman goddess in disguise. Oh, Artemis. Athena, uh, maybe. That is a good guess. This 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 time it's Hera. It's Hera. Oh shit! And so the the third one that I didn't yeah. guess. <laughs> no, it's all right. And so it's Hera, who uh, becomes like yeah, like Jason's uh, divine sort of like sponsor and, and protector. But wouldn't you know it, as he's carrying her across the river, uh, one of his sandals comes off. And so afterwards, he marches into Iolcus. Oh. He marches into Iolcus, only wearing one sandal. Pel- Peleus puts two and two together. And he says, oh, Jason. Oh, my gosh. It's so, oh, I was so worried. I didn't know where you were. Of course, you're the rightful king of Iolcus. I'm, I-, I will happily give you your proper kingdom back. Uh, just one thing, there, there's a curse here. Darn it, doesn't this keep happening? Everybody, every place just keeps getting cursed. Uh, and the only way to get to, to alleviate the curse is to bring the Golden Fleece over in Colchis, bring that all the way back to like Thessaly, Northern Greece. Uh, kind of smart there. So, okay. Uh, oh man, darn it. If only, ah, that but that that's too great of an ordeal that, that that's too big of a trial for for anybody to take and so mark what's the greek word for posse cuz that's what jason does he rounds up a posse <laughs> argonauts 
Yeah, I, I think, Jason and the Posse. I, I don't. I, I think that's close <laughs> enough. And so he does. He says, "All right, all the heroes of this uh, mythical age of Greece, let's round up a posse. Let's go get the Golden Fleece. Fame and glory await everyone who undertakes this journey." And so, uh, uh, yeah, just just a few, just a few of the highlights here. So there are uh, the Dioscuri. The the sons of Zeus, Castor and Pollux, Castor and uh, Polydaukes. There's Philoctetes. Uh, there's Telamon, who is the father of Telamonian Ajax, Ajax the Great. Uh, Hell yeah. He's there. There's Orpheus, sweet, uh, sensitive Orpheus with his lyre. And like the dude that goes and tries to conquer the underworld for his yeah, lady. Yeah. Sometime, okay, okay, yeah, cool. I think I think before she dies. So this is like the goddamn like Greek Avengers. This is the Greek Avengers. This is the Greek Suicide Squad, not the Greek Avengers. This is Greek Suicide Squad. Well, because yeah, the, the, some some hardship does because we're gonna lose a few group. of them. We are gonna lose a few of them. Yeah, uh, but of course, and one of the best. I mean, we were just talking about them a couple episodes back. Who else? But like the greatest hero, the greatest Greek hero of all time, joins this trip. That's right, it's Heracles! Woo! Heracles <gasps> woo, woo. taking a break from his from his labors. Um, yeah, joins up. And uh it's so it, Okay, I take it back. This is fucking Greek expendables. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. It is. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like all the like greatest heroes of that age. Um and why they are called the Argonauts is uh, they have a ship built by this guy named Argus, and that ship is called the Argo, like from from Argus. Um, and so they are the sailors of the Argus, the Argonauts. Um, there's also, I, I, I would like to think this is the case, but of course there's different variations. Uh, maybe... Maybe there was also Atalanta, like this amazing female athlete, kind of, yeah, like warrior hero gal. Maybe she was on there. Some of the stories have her as a crew. Some of them don't. Um, okay. But yes, and so they they all go off and have many adventures, um, fighting the harpies, um, dealing with like a giant robot guy, uh, Talos afterwards. This is where Jason meets Medea. Medea is a princess in Colchis. She helps him. She helps him get the Golden Fleece. Um, the uh, uh, King Aetes rules in Colchis. And so he gives Jason even more impossible tasks. But Medea helps him. Uh, he says like, oh, hey, here are these bulls that breathe fire. And I want you to yoke up these bulls and like plow a field. And Medea gives Jason like a fireproof potion forgot i think i forgot to write this in my notes he has some second task whatever go read the argonautica it's awesome <laughs> but okay. what he also has to do is the golden fleece are hanging up in an oak tree and what creature guards that oak tree mark uh the the the, the giant python right a, a, another big goddamn dragon <laughs> oh fuck i thought it was a snake damn it all right i, I mean fool me they're in Greek mythology, they're essentially the same thing. Like snakes and dragons are pretty much the same thing. Um, and so Medea puts the dragon to sleep. She again has 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 a sleeping potion. puts puts the dragon to, to sleep. Um, and 
and, and yes, and these same dragon teeth from the Ismanian dragon, they or maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Jason has to like defeat uh, uh, soldiers sprung up from the Ismanian dragon's teeth. And he does the same thing. He does the same thing as Cadmus. Throws a rock into the whole crowd of them. They instantly turn on each other like like Mr. Meeseeks in Rick and Morty. Yeah. They all just start <laughs> all just start start killing each other uh until he can kind of come in and then and then bash him at the end. Um and so then and the, that is how he's able to win the golden fleece properly. Uh King Aedes of Colchis there, he kind of goes back on his word and so he's like, "Oh bullshit, you're going to take my golden fleece after them, after the Argo and the Argonauts." And this is we're like, really, Jason, uh, I'm very glad that you met Medea and she was very helpful and you love each other. But this should have been like red flag number one. Um, so like as they're being pursued and like gaining on them, um, Medea like has her younger brother, her only brother, um, the, the, the heir to the, to the throne of Colchis. Um, and so her idea to delay King Aedes is she kills her brother, chops him up into little pieces, and then, like, scatters the pieces in the water. And oh, fuck. So, yeah, and so King Aedes is distraught. He's like, my boy, look what they've done to my boy. They massacred my boy. So, like, he has to stop and, like, scoop up all the pieces, and that delay is what lets Jason and Medea and, and the rest of the crew escape. Um, okay. And so, again, I, I'm... I'm 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 rushing through a lot, but definitely, listeners, check out the Argonautica, check out all of the movie versions of it because it's amazing. Um, and then, if you want to see what happens, uh, Jason should have maybe recognized that red flag, but uh, he didn't. And if you want to see what happens to him, read also the Medea uh, tragedy by Euripides, and you'll see that that his wife. Yeah, has a weird penchant for killing young boys. <laughs> Doesn't she escape on a fucking dragon too? And she and she escapes on a dragon chariot. It's a chariot pulled by yeah, dragons. That's, yeah, that's yeah, a chariot yeah. drawn by dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. So, but oh damn, god damn. But this was also really neat. So again, sort of doing research and doing all this stuff. Um, and and I was just talking about like I'm at a point where I can appreciate these stories just. For being stories and, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, well, what really is the Golden Fleece? What could it be? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not advocating this, but I did find this and I thought this was, this was pretty neat. And I love to pass this by because, yeah, people have said for a long time, well, could the Golden Fleece like represent something else? Could it be? The, uh, I don't know. Was Is it just like a symbol of power or, or whatever? There are some that are arguing that were there in like Colchis, which is like modern day Georgia, not like the state of Georgia, obviously, but like former Soviet yes. black country, Georgia. <laughs> uh, they have some gold deposits there. And one of the okay. I- and one of the ideas is like, oh, so in alluvial gold mining, which is like running the like water through. Like you're not like it's essentially like gold panning, but you like just have this big sluice bring all the like uh, ore and and dirt and, and soil through. What if there was some technique 
to like kind of capture and filter out the gold ore that used sheep wool. So you like set up your your chute that has water running through and then you, you, you plop down some some wool in there and the like flecks of gold and gold dust get caught on the wool. And so maybe that's what the golden fleece is kind of hinting at, that, that sort of technology. Okay. Which Again, I don't, I don't need that explanation, but it is kind of neat. It's kind of neat to like think about. It's and pretty so, neat, yeah. So yeah, or it could just be like, oh well, no, there's just gold there, and or it's a flying goddamn ram that a cloud nymph sent to save her two children. Just go with that. <laughs> I reckon it's a flying goddamn ram. Yeah, yeah. And so why overcomplicate things? Why need, why need to be like, oh well, there's a, a gold mining technique, like. We're not here for that. We're we're here for magical objects that can, uh, yeah, like cure curses. Uh, can lift curses from the land and all that. <laughs> <laughs> so so yes, I I I was I was kind of concerned about like trying to like speed through the Argonautica because it is it's a great story. It's a full on. Uh, there, there's so many good things too. Could, well, there's even so when like Jason and Medea are still kind of courting, um, there's this whole scene where her father's like, "Okay, look, I see. So there's some kind of funny business going on with you two, and we'll 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 have this independently verified. But if Medea is still a virgin, she's gonna stay here in Colchis with me because like she's my daughter. I'm her father, and so." If she's not a virgin, then you two are married, and then she can go with you, Jason, off to back to Greece. And so then, yeah, like Jason and Medea, um, like have to have a quickie <laughs> before <laughs> to like. So like, oh, don't, oh, yeah, I guess we're married now. <laughs> so it is. It's a great story, and truly, like a bunch of legendary heroes in their own right uh getting getting the band back together part avengers part expendables part uh uh seven samurai except there's like 50 of them uh but uh <laughs> but yeah it's it's great stuff go juice samurai it's fine. yeah <laughs> it is it is so who boy, Mark. We uh, man for all of the rabbit holes and voids and portals to just multiverses that we opened up. I still think we did a hell of a job. Just like yeah, having like a pretty trim, pretty like tightly woven episode here. I think so. Like yeah, I still have a couple things that we I didn't even get to. I reckon you have a couple. Oh man, yeah. who could say, Josh? Maybe this one is a one is a topic we could revisit. Sometime in the future. I think that is absolutely the case. And and we can either leave it more open-ended like this one, or if we want to dive down into the like specifics. And uh, yeah, we, we sort of floated the idea of some grimoires. Maybe we could like really dive into those. Like magic weapons. Magic weapons are all over the goddamn place. Uh, like every, I have everywhere. a whole segment on the spear that killed Jesus Christ. Right, right. Yeah, the Oh my God, mm-hmm. dude. Like, just that in and of itself is its own, like, probably could be an hour and a half long episode. Yeah, yeah it is. Well, yeah. and even, and even um, you also kind of mentioned too, right? Uh, 
before re recording, like you, you had this instinct, but then realized it was just, it would be another inundation of, oh, here's this like a uh, finger bone from a saint or a piece of the true cross or uh, yeah, just, there's just, there's, or yeah, like the Ark of the Covenant, right? Like so many magical objects, like just in Christianity alone. And whoops all Christians. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like you're saying, like either whoops all Greeks or whoops, or whoops all Christians. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yes, I think I think for right now, calling it here uh, is is wonderful. And so, uh, yeah, those of you listening, thank. First of all, thank you, thank you for giving us a try here, two wizards. And maybe that's it. Maybe maybe you're even a new listener, where it's like, oh, two wizards that are talking about magical objects. Sign me up. Uh, and if that is the case, welcome. We're great to have you here. And check out some of our other back catalog. Because uh, we also talk about video games. We talk about uh, uh, weird science-y stuff. Uh, or we'll just, yeah, just pal around and read H.P. Lovecraft and, and things like that to use. Um, but, but we would love to hear from you. How did you find this episode? Are you a new listener? Are you a returning listener? Um, are Do you have the uh akshaya patra and you can feed feed your entire community uh just until this one person eats and then it's then that's it we want to know we want to know so uh get in touch with us a couple of different ways you can send an email to two wizards podcast at gmail.com uh find us on instagram find us on twitter at two wizards pod c1 uh i'm also on twitter uh at plaid barbarian try to get some like kind of neat and interesting things uh, uh shared with you there beyond just like retweeting cat pictures but that's fine too <laughs> uh mark and, and you you mentioned this too you you and johnny have been doing work at the dang old podcast so i'm, I'm sure there's going to be a whole bunch of those coming out soon also oh yeah yeah you can find me over there at dangle podcast this week we're doing um Nancy Boys and Flesh with Power, the one where Nancy stops cheating on Dale with John mm, Redcorn. Yeah, that's a good one. And then the one about how local government ruins all things with Flesh with Power. But yeah, uh, no, we're having a lot of fun over there. And if you want even more of me, you can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter. And yeah, let me know what is in your magical unending dish of glory. Right. I'm hungry. Right. Invite me over for dinner. Ooh, also Josh. Yeah. Maybe just shepherd's pie. Maybe just oh shepherd's God. pie is what's in my unending bowl. Oh, yes. Like, God, yes. Shepherd's pie. would be so great. That'd be, yeah, just like in a giant, and I just have pictured, like, because in all the illustrations I saw, it was just like, you know, like a little humble pot, but I just want a big motherfucking pot of shepherd's pie. <laughs> That'd be so great. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, please. <laughs> but, yeah, you can find me over there, Talk to us. We love validation. We also yeah. love every one of you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening. Go whatever app you're on now and hit that little five-star button because apparently yeah. it does help us. Absolutely. And not that we need the help, but we need the help, guys. Yeah. So my name is Mark. I am a wizard. Thank you for listening. And my name is Josh, and I'm a wizard. And, yes, I've also heard that uh, on various various uh, websites and social media that, that stars – are themselves magical items, magical objects. So <laughs> give us give us as many stars and thumbs up and I don't know if I, I don't think we're on Reddit, but upvotes. Give us those too. That'd be that'd be fine. Also, give us your updutes. Yes, all the updutes, please. <laughs> all right, everybody, take care. Good night, guys.
upon his back, and afterwards I kill 